1: Welcome back. Next, we are following up on yesterday's lively discussion about the saga of Jihadi Jack. He is now exclusively our problem since the UK revoked his citizenship. His family and others have undertaken a campaign to bring him back here to face justice. Now, actually, the phrase bringing him back here is a bit of a misnomer. He is Canadian by virtue of his father's citizenship, but has only been to our country seven times in his life. And that apparently would make it harder to make a case here meantime the government doesn't seem to be in any hurry to move on his case, but that could change after the election now, I have a, a bunch of questions about the legalities around this, so yes, I want to hear from you the numbers to call four one six three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven Forty, But right now, let's go to Kent Roach, Director of the Global Counterterrorism Law and Policy Group, and Scott Newark, Adjunct Professor in the Terrorism, Risk and Security Studies Program at the School of Criminology at Simon Fraser University. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good afternoon. Okay. Now, so here is my first question. Uh I originally thought that this was simply a case. Uh, he was a dual Canadian-British national. The Brits kind of beat us to it. But would we have had the right legally to revoke his citizenship? Because uh, I gather there was a Harper-era law that Justin Trudeau repealed. So would we have been able to revoke his citizenship if we moved before Britain or not? Uh, let's start with Kent Roach.
2: Well, no, I mean, not not under the changes to the Citizenship Act. Um, and, you know, although some people may be concerned about that, I, I would just ask them, you know, where does this all lead? I mean, is this just who can... As quickly as possible make this person another country's uh, problem but uh, it is you know on my understanding of the law it would not be possible to take away his citizenship now that doesn't mean that he'll be coming to Canada anytime soon there's uh, separate laws concerning uh, passports and so on so uh, but I don't think we could have stripped his citizenship under the law as it was amended
1: uh, Scott, do you agree with that reading of the law? Yes.
3: Um, the, uh, the one uh, twist to it, however, is, and this is sort of the political angle of it, um, both uh, Canada and the United uh, Kingdom and most countries around the world also are parties to an agreement that says in, in making decisions about stripping people of their citizenship, and there are grounds for that under our existing legislation, um, that uh, we will not make a person stateless. And so what the British have effectively done is taken somebody who, let's face it, was born in the U.K., was raised in the U.K., was radicalized in the U.K., you know, left there to go to uh, ultimately to, uh, to Syria. Uh, they revoked a citizenship and essentially have just uh, dropped the ball on us. And that is what uh, makes the uh, sort of the the political angle of this, and it's what was reflected, I think, in Minister Goodell's uh, expression of, quote, disappointment, is that, uh, you know, and both countries and many countries around the world were not dealing effectively, in my opinion, with this very difficult situation of, you know, our, quote, citizens who have uh, jihadis detained abroad. Uh, but uh, they did. What's made it the particular news is, is I think, as they say, the British kicking us under the bus, and now it's up to us to decide how to deal with this.
1: Well, exactly. Now, here, here is my next question. So, what I have read in many places, excuse me, is that we are under no obligation to bring him back. Is that true or false, Kent Roach?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean I, I I I don't think anyone is expecting us to uh go and uh um, you know, uh, take him out of Syria where he's detained by, uh, I gather Kurdish, uh, authorities. I think, you know, you might see, and, and we saw this in the Omar Khadr case, is that you might see some litigation saying that there's some reasonable expectation that Canada would at least ask uh, for him to be returned, but uh, uh, we haven't seen that yet. So I think uh, you know, it, it, more or less, it is the, the 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 status
1: quo. Okay. Next, the the next thing. Can uh, I can I just sure.
3: comment on that for a sec. Sure. Um, the uh, there is a legal obligation in, in, uh, enforced by a Supreme Court ruling that says that a Canadian has the right to, uh, in effect, re-enter Canada. So even if we had the concerns about that, if he somehow showed up at the border you know, at an airport, uh, he would be let into the country, and then we'd have to deal with the, that reality. What there isn't, however, is an obligation on the part of Canada to facilitate his return to Canada. And that's why I think what you're seeing is essentially us, you know, sticking our heads in the sand and not taking action and saying, oh, well, no, we can't do this. It's too dangerous. Yet at the same time, you know, journalists like Stuart Bell are able to go there and interview the guy. But, oh, no, it's too dangerous for our people to do it. That's ridiculous.
1: Uh, Okay. But, you know, um, my understanding, again, is that uh, assuming that nobody wants him to come back, uh, the only danger in that happening is if uh, the the Syrian government, or whoever, Kirk, or yeah. alleged like whoever that might be, whatever that might be in that area, deports him.
3: Yeah, it's it's also the fact that there is a, and I think a legitimate concern about um, what happens. What's the long term risk? uh... if he if we just ignore it and leave him there there are all, already concerns being expressed about isis in effect uh, regaining some influence in some of these detention centers where the the wives and children are being held the Kurds have made it absolutely clear they don't have the resources to hold on to these people. The reason why I think we should intervene and countries around the world should intervene is because it's in our own best interest to do so, because what we're effectively doing is quite likely creating the next generation of jihadis. And we do have some tools in our toolbox domestically. It's important to point out that you know, information about what he did, and that's less than entirely clear, there's a difference between information and admissible evidence. But we have other tools here like terrorism, peace bonds that could be applied. But my my overall take on this is out of our own self-interest of security and not just leaving him there as opposed to some kind of, you know, uh, sympathy for this individual for what he did
1: well right, but then there there's the question uh, who's to say that he wouldn't come here with a jihadi risk i mean if if there if there's a risk of him rejoining ISIS or doing whatever i mean he's a long way away. He's in Syria, but
2: but I mean I I I agree with Scott that you know simply you know leaving this uh, to see how the Kurds are or or are not able to deal with this issue is probably not in our self interest and certainly not uh, in Mister Lett's self interest and 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 we do have uh, uh, you know tools uh, to deal with this. Um, I'm unfortunately in some ways the UK probably has better tools because in 2015 they Enacted a new kind of control order regime that allows for kind of a staged reentry back into the UK society. But they've now kind of gone contrary to this by taking away citizenship, I think, to over 120 people, including, you know, a 15 year old who misguidedly went to Syria to become an ISIS bride. So, I mean, you know, in some ways, this probably should be the UK's problem the UK is probably better uh, legally equipped uh, to deal with this, although there are no easy legal answers, but they've kind of punted it over uh, to our problem. And, uh, you know, I I think this is the problem with citizenship stripping generally is it's just kind of a, you know, we're going to punt the problem to the other country. And and the first, first past the post in stripping citizenship thinks that they've kind of gotten rid of the problem. And it's, you know, it's kind of ironic because the UK has a lot more experience dealing with terrorism, dealing with radicalization. They have more developed programs than we do. Um, And so uh, it it is unfortunate that the UK has treated us uh, and and Mr. Letts uh, the way that they have.
1: Okay, here is another question. Uh, My understanding is that if Canada decided to bring him back. Uh, the statute that he would be most likely to get a conviction on would be leaving Canada to join a terror group. But he didn't leave Canada. He, leave Canada. <laughs> he, he left the UK. So if that's the main avenue that we could get him on, um, it seems closed. Uh, Scott?
3: Yes, and uh, I think perhaps uh, Justin Trudeau needs you to brief him on that. I watched his uh, press conference uh, yesterday, and he just completed completely vacuous about that, that issue. And actually, one of his own MPs, John McKay, who, uh, full disclosure, is an old friend of mine, is the chair of the, National, the House National Security Committee, pointed out as, as well, too, the offense that's in our criminal code. Uh, is, as you said, leaving Canada. Well, he didn't leave Canada, he left the, uh, the United Kingdom. And whether we would have sufficient evidence, and again, there's a difference between information and admissible evidence, uh, is questionable. I, I don't know that because I don't know the details of what information we actually have about him. But we do have other tools, which are these preventive orders I've spoken of, preventive reconnaissances, section 810.011, where essentially it's if we've got the grounds to reasonably believe that he may commit a terrorist offense. You can get a court order that's like a probation order that if you breach the conditions of it, that's a crime and you can go to jail. So it's got very, very broad sort of supervision, uh, provisions that are authorized in it. And I suspect that's something that we could actually use. And if we could finally get proactive on this stuff and get a unit over there, you know, uh, perhaps a deal with him. His family's got counsel in Canada. Deal with the Kurds and and get this going. But simply turning our back on it, in my opinion, is a bad idea because these future generations of jihadis, and I say this with respect to a lot of the kids that are being held there as well, too, that have Canadian, you know, moms have gone over. uh, We are potentially watching the creation of another generation of jihadis if we do nothing, which our next generation of Canadians will have to fight So it's in our own self-interest, in my opinion, that we actually take proactive measures. Yeah, but but
1: if we bring the next generation of jihadis here, uh, that's not a good thing either.
3: No, but just because we bring them here doesn't mean we leave them with the same parents that were stupid enough to bring them over there or to go over in the first place. We have very extensive child welfare laws, and I think... uh, uh, Professor Roach may have mentioned the uh, the Cotter case, the Omar Cotter case. That's one of the things that struck me. I had a lot of involvement in it. We knew what the Cotter family was doing, and we did nothing by in the sense of removing those kids from their parents who were radicalizing them into a death cult. We have to not make those kinds of mistakes in the future going forward.
1: Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Kent Roach, do, do you agree with that? I mean, what, the question that I have is that again if the the clearest law that we have to prosecute him wouldn't work I don't get why we are in such a hurry to bring him back, and then right. well, try I mean, to find I mean, I, a way. You know, to- I,
2: I agree that the issue of admissible evidence is a live one, but you know we have fifteen different terrorism offenses in the criminal code, and although I agree that obviously the leaving Canada ones that were enacted in two thousand and thirteen, when you know in some ways Canada was ahead of the foreign terrorist fighter curve, uh, wouldn't apply. The participation in the activity of a terrorist group offense, which is where the vast majority of Terrorism prosecutions take place uh, does apply uh, outside Canada. So, like most countries, we've exer- we've asserted your jurisdiction. So, although he obviously couldn't be prosecuted for leaving Canada, it is possible. You know, bracketing this issue of admissible evidence, that it, that we could uh, prosecute him for participating in the activity of a terrorist group because obviously, dash, or ISIL is a a terrorist group. But uh, you know, I, I I I think, you know, certainly in terms of Foreign terrorist fighters. You have to take each uh, uh, each case on its own. So, kind of blanket uh, pronouncements, either that we will prosecute or not prosecute all returnees, are probably not appropriate. Uh, similarly, blanket pronouncements that will have peace bonds for everyone or not uh, may not necessarily be uh, be be appropriate.
1: But, okay, uh, so we're we're just about out of time. I just have a Yes or no question, uh, pretty clear. Nobody's moving on this before the election. Uh, if the Liberals are reelected, Scott Newark, do you think they'll bring him back or just leave it?
3: Um, I think that they uh, should take proactive steps in whatever that ultimately you know, ends up in. So be it, and I agree, there's not a one-size-fits-all on here. But so far they have been
1: uh, reluctant to take any
3: proactive measures, and the Conservatives are now talking as though they won't either.
1: Uh, Kent Roach, yes or no? Will they do it?
2: No, I, I, I unfortunately I think this is too much of a political hot potato, and I doubt any government will
0: touch it.
1: Okay. On that note, thank you so much to Kent Roach and Scott Newark.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.